I'm Mark Gandy, and this is Sample Bookshelf. It's that time of the year, awards season, and top lists. And we're doing our first top 10 list of books, this financial dude, right over the past year. I will finish the year at 109 books, about half are text and the other half audio. My top 10 are books that stuck with me. I wrote comprehensive notes on them. I recommend these titles to others. And in some cases, I got to interview the author or will so in the coming months. If you are looking for some great book ideas, this is going to be your show. The 2021 Top 10 List of Business Books. That's coming up next here on CFO Bookshelf. We did a similar show like this at the mid-year point, and one of our dear friends of the show, Schaefer Schutz, joined us to ask the questions, and he's back again. Now, I don't think Schaefer likes me bringing this up, but he is a former college football quarterback who took his team to a national championship game about two, maybe three years ago, and I'll let you ask him how the game Turned out. Schaefer, by the way, is a branch manager for City Renetrock, uh, based in Kansas City, Missouri. We'll hear more about that later. Now, this guy, he's smart, he's funny, and he knows business inside and out, and he's an avid reader. This is a very casual conversation between me and Schaefer talking about my favorite 10 books of the year, along with some bonus reads. Schaefer shoots. This is your second time hosting the show. How's it feel to be famous? Man, it feels feels great. Thanks for having me again, Mark. I must uh, I must not have messed it up too bad if you asked me to come back a, a second time. Not at all. That was a very <laughs> highly downloaded show back in the summer. So we, as you know, we did our favorite books, the top five, the first half of the year. So now we're doing the top 10 for this whole year. So we will repeat some of the books that we mentioned, which is okay. But I'm curious, did you have a good year reading? Yeah, not bad. I know I definitely didn't read anywhere close to uh, 100, 108 books. By you don't age, need but... to. You don't need to. <laughs> you know that I work with a lot of CEOs. I think if you can read one book a month, one really good book a month, that's enough. Uh, yeah. In fact, that's a lot. And you're going to remember those those 12 that you read throughout the year but uh, i am holding a copy a hard a hardback in my hand he's from kansas city missouri and i'm going to ask you about this book at the end but i'm going to let you take it away sir you've got some questions you want to ask me right well mark obviously a uh i know you told me right before we jumped on here 108 books is that right this year is what that's what the the count ended 108. Up Yes. And, and and the reason I know that, uh, to me, it's not about the quantity. I, I, I have a Google sheet and I'm eventually going to convert all of my books over to Airtable because I can do some more things uh, in a database structure. Uh, so the reason I know is just when I add a number, when I add a title, it adds another number in the spreadsheet. So it turned out to be 108, which by the way, you're counting. It, 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 it may sound like a lot, but 
I am a slow reader, so keep in mind about half of those are Kindle, hardback, the physical copy, the other half, uh, audio. But I am a slow reader. But what was tough about this year's interviewing all, so we had 50 interviews with authors this past year. So one of my rules is I've got to read their books before I interview them. And so I have several books I've already read where we won't interview them until the next three to four months going into 2022. So, so not only did I read the books I like to read, I was reading books that people will be interviewing. So it seemed like I read more, but some of the books I read were like 400, 500, 600 pages. So, so 108 may sound like a lot, but as I look back, it's like, oh, that was, I, cause I, I've read up upwards to 120 before. Is there some weight with, uh, with your favorites in terms of, of interviewing an author, I would think getting to talk to the person that wrote the book would make me like the book a lot more. That uh, great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for example, Charles Rosati, he's on my top 10, uh, this year and he's the former IRS commissioner. Now he ran a business before that and he was the first, I think he was the fourth person to be hired by Bruce Henderson at the Boston Consulting Group. And to get to interview him was just special. I I was just blown away that he would even give me his time. I mean, think about it. The former commissioner of the IRS who turned that organization around in a very short time period. He was only with them for five years. So that is an example. Um, Another book on my top list and you know I love the book Railroader uh, by by Howard Green. Howard is a pro. I mean, the guy he, he he's got the GQ look. He's got a great voice. I could listen to him all day. Uh, but getting to talk to him, he he was he knew the the subject he was talking about, which was Hunter Harrison. And getting to talk to him again that made the book even just more. Special, so yeah, getting to talk to the authors of some of these books, which I would say about half of these books, I've interviewed them, or I will be interviewing them in the future. So it, it does make the book a little bit more special. That, that's that's a good question. Yeah, well, so I know you've just mentioned a couple of them. What you don't have to necessarily put them put them in order unless you want to, but what are some of the other ones that, that cracked the the top ten for twenty twenty? I, I do want to go back to Railroader. One more time. That is, yeah. that is, uh, I, I know, did, did, I mean, you're in Kansas city, uh, at one time, I mean, all, 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 all railroads, uh, all switch points led to Kansas city, Missouri at one point, uh, in, I'm staring at the railroad right in, now outside of the, outside of the Western auto in, 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 in Cowtown America at one time, the stockyards. <laughs> The stockyards of the uh, American breadbasket, but what what a, a story! I I did not know much about the railroad industry until I read that book, and I I think I found this book by accident. You you know how Amazon will send us suggested books. I thought this looks really good, and plus the cover has a funny looking uh, picture of Hunter Harrison. It's a little bit animated. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll get it. And I just thought I got lucky. This was a really good book. It's basically, well, it's not basically, it is a biography of one of the greatest CEOs of this era. I would say 
probably one of the top CEOs ever, Alfred Sloan. I think Alfred Sloan, probably a better CEO even than Jobs or, or Bill Gates. That's controversial. We'll never be able to prove that. But I would put Hunter Harrison in the category of Alfred Sloan. He turned the railroad industry on its ear with what's called precision railroading. When he started as a CEO, even as a COO, you never knew when that boxcar of stuff would get to the end point. He got to where he could say, this product, this shipment will be at such and such point within five to 10 minutes. That's precision railroading. So he, again, he turned the industry on its ear and it made other industries or other competitors have to catch up. And that's probably why he wasn't like that much. But that is a great story. The reason I recommend it, Schaefer, is because I think every professional should work for a, a, a Hunter Harrison at some point in their careers. I mean, he did not hire consultants. He figured this stuff out on his own with help. He had a vision, he had an objective. I'm going to go figure this out. And the culture was terrible in that industry. Pre people getting paid for eight hours and showing up for four. I mean, that again, that's what he had to deal with. So I highly recommend uh, the book. So I love that one. Let me go back to the other one that I mentioned a few minutes ago, Charles Rosati. Again, he was the, the fourth employee ever of the Boston Consulting Group. So BCG, kind of famous, kind of, I mean, they're not as big as uh, McKinsey or who are the other biggies, Accenture, uh, Bain, but he was hired directly by Bruce Henderson out of college. Rosati went on to become a CEO at a publicly traded company in the IT industry. And then after he retired, he was, he was lured out of retirement to run the IRS. This is at a time period in the 1990s where let's, the government said, let's find someone outside, let's find an outsider to run, be, be the commissioner. And at first he said no, but then he said yes. And the reason I love the book, Shaper, is, let me ask you a question. So you, 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 you're a part of City Rent a Truck. I, I love the company. It's small. Someday it's going to be big, like Enterprise or Hertz, right? Right. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, I want you to imagine, imagine, Schaefer, you being asked, you, you you will be a future CEO. I hope your dad doesn't mind me, your father mind me saying this to you. I re respect the heck out of your father. He's the uh, president CEO of your company and one of the one of the owners. I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but you've got CEO written all over you. And can you imagine being asked to be the CEO of a truck leasing company that's doing about a billion dollars a year, but the customer service stinks, the systems are awful, people are wanting to quit. Can you imagine being put into that position to have, having to turn it around? Yeah, that, I mean, just getting dropped in a situation like that definitely does does not sound fun. And actually it's, I've a couple of things that I've read. People will say that that's, that's a lot harder. Something like that is than, than just starting something from scratch would be having to, having to get thrown into something where there's so much going on and so many different things thrown your way, but there's just so much negative surrounding it. That's just, 
far, far. So to answer your question in the most roundabout way possible, no, I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine getting tossed into a situation like that. Brother, this is why you're going to be a great CEO someday. Not only are you friggin' smart, you're incredibly humble. So, but Charles Rosati, he did it. Now, when I say he, it took a team and he ended up having to shuffle people around. He simplified. He had five core objectives. It's, it's a, it's, it is a transformational story. It's like, I still don't know how he did it. And, and by the way, he was one of the people I got to interview and, and just what a wonderful human being to, to talk to. Very gracious with his, his time. I'm smiling because I'm going down my list. The Secret Life of Groceries. What What is your favorite food product that you love that you, when you go to the grocery store, what's one thing you've got to make sure that you fill up on in your grocery cart? Mark, I'm embarrassed to say I don't go grocery shopping very often. Oh. I eat out. Oh, you don't. Okay. Hopefully my mother doesn't listen to this. She'll be... Very upset. Do do you eat Thai shrimp? Yeah. You you probably I'm I'm a big I got a big sweet too. Oh well me too. Me too. Getting chocolate chocolate covered all but I know that's not in this book. Uh if if you if if you try <laughs> to cure your your maybe eating too much of Thai shrimp, if you read this book I'm about to mention, that that will cure you very, very quickly. But the the other book on my list, I did not know what to expect. I had it in my Kindle library. I start, I look at it, I'll skip it. File, I just say, you know, I'm going to read it. It's called The Secret Life of Groceries. And it could have easily been uh, titled The Secret Business Life of Groceries. And, and even Benjamin Lore, the the author who, by the way, I got to interview him. Great, great dude. Great guy. He he liked that title, but he said, you know, I, I explored other names if the publisher says, nope, got to be shorter, got to be shorter. But it's basically eight or nine different stories in the food business. So one of the stories is about the founder of Trader Joe's. And it's a neat story from kind of a little biographical sketch of Trader Joe. Great story. Uh, there's a story about the uh about a truck driver and i can't remember her name but if you were to read that book and if you ever end up having daughters you will never want your daughters to be truck drivers we'll just leave it at that uh use your imagination or read the book <laughs> but uh if 60 minutes and i i explained this in the the podcast with with ben I said, I don't think 60 Minutes could have done a better job had they written the same book. And he, he really appreciated that. But uh, The Secret Life of Groceries, was it's an interesting read. Uh, I did not know what to expect. And again, it's these vignettes. I'm not, a, I'm not a consistent reader of The Atlantic or The New Yorker, but kind of think stories like that a little bit longer but about eight or nine of them. Very fascinating read. And I wish this book would get a little bit more uh, traction, but I very, very fascinating. I do have another book that's on my list. Now, it was an audio book. Uh, the first three I mentioned I read, this one was a listen. Uh, your father, uh, can, can, are, are we allowed to say who he is? 
I call him the coach. I, I call him the coach. Uh, the coach. Yeah. Yeah. So his, his, his name is, I think we're allowed to say his, his name is uh, Jeff and I call him coach behind his back, but I, I just, I, I love that guy. I, I, I respect the heck out of him, but I remember, I, rem- I recommended this title to him and he prefers listening to books. Do you know the title? Do you know what's the book he's mentioned the most throughout the company? Is it the, uh, the advantage? You know, if he has, death, I, I can't. Death I, by meetings, I, I think, is another one that I think he recommends. I can't say because he maybe he has, but I know when we meet regularly, he keeps bringing up this title. But it's 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 how we play the game by Ed Stock, and that's the. I I keep wanting to say the founder, uh, Dix, but that's not really true. His dad was the founder of Dix Sporting Goods. It's just that the dad only. <laughs> He, he, he basically left the company at about store number two because he, he was so afraid of losing the business. He, in fact, he lost it once before. So he got to two stores and was doing pretty well. But son Ed said, no, dad, we, we can make this work. And, and finally he got pushed aside. And so Ed just started growing and growing, growing. And, and I've got a note that says, I, anyone that reads business, anyone that's read, that reads at least 20 to 24 business books a year, is it fair to say they probably have read Shoe Dog? Do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, and you, you, yep. you love Shoe Dog. Yeah. Yeah. We read that. Uh, I actually read that in school. That That is just a fun, that was like reading fiction. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, yeah. it's like, it's the, this, especially the first half of the book. But I think this book is, it's not as good as Shoe Dog. It, 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 they, he, he set the bar pretty high, but it's how we play the game. There are so many obstacles and, con, and conflicts that they had to overcome. And that's, what's make, that's what makes this book special. Are there other books like It's How We Play the Game? The, the answer is yes. But I happen to listen to it at a time where maybe... I hadn't maybe read or listened to a book similar to that. I, I do like reading books by uh, CEOs, but this is a this is a, more of like a, a memoir, uh, if you will. So uh, really a fun, easy listen, but you're going to learn at the same time. And and I'll just add one more thing, Schaefer. I feel like I'm talking way too much, but the reason it's good for people like you and I a list of books like this is we need to understand what CEOs go through. I mean, it's lonely as a leader. So I think we get to understand these are the decisions they're having to make. This is why they need certain skilled team members around them to help them to get from point A to point B. It's very rarely, very rarely where you're both a founder, and I'm going to call him a founder, even though his dad founded the business, very rarely that you're a founder and a maintainer and a grower. So he was a founder, he grew, and he maintained, he was doing all three of those. And that's, that's rare. Usually you're a founder, you'll grow, and then someone else has to maintain. But th- this guy, very special, very gifted, and I, and I, he's the kind of person I would love to sit down and have coffee with in Kansas city, Missouri. <laughs> that one's actually on my list too. And I think part of it is the, the reason why we like it so much 
as he goes through, you talk about the obstacles that he faced. A lot of those obstacles are seem to be, and you know, we, we don't necessarily know somewhat consistent with small to, to medium size kind of in that adolescent phase, uh, businesses. And so some of these problems or issues that he's facing, we, I mean, are hap- happening to, to us and our organization right now. And it's, it's cool to see how, how he handled it and see if there's a way to, to, to apply and, and uh, incorporate into our, our business. As you bring something up, I know banking was a big frustration to them because at first they did have uh, some, some uh, not angel. I mean, they had some venture capitalists, but eventually some of them wanted to cash out. So they're always, it's, it's like they were always, there's always a cash issue or a cash problem. And they just, and where have we heard that? We hear it over and we hear it's, we deal with it daily. So again, highly uh, recommend it. It's, it's, if you listen to it, it's, it's a good listen, very easy to listen to. The other book we may have mentioned back in the summertime, I'm going to mention it again, uh, Leadership in Turbulent Times, which by the way, I think your father has mentioned uh, this book, if I'm not mistaken, but this book is by Doris Kearns uh, Goodwin. And I may, I made a note that if you don't have master class, I think you might be able to sign up for just one class on Masterclass. Uh, do a search on Masterclass and look up Doris Kearns Goodwin. It's good. She's very grandmotherly in in that Masterclass, but I I I I loved this book. Uh, it's it's centered around four different presidents. And it's basically going through four topics, four questions, four topics through these four uh, presidents of the United States. And I absolutely loved the book. It's, I really did not want it uh, to end. Uh, do you read much history, Shaver? I do a little bit. Uh, not as much as, not as much as I used to. The closest thing I read this year is going to be on my list. And that's, it's actually a recommendation from you. But the Jan, John Raskob biography is probably the, the closest thing to a history book that I read this year. Which, by the way, I got to interview that author this past, uh, back in May, and that was a thrill. In fact, he's, he's in our neck of the woods. He's a professor in, I think, not K-State, but uh, the University of Kansas. So he's not too far. I didn't know that. He's not too far from you. I'm going to keep going on. Do you ever eat at Texas Roadhouse? Too often. I, I have never, so, so I'm in Columbia, Missouri, which by the way, we, we have listeners all around the globe. I mean, there are places where I've never heard of some of these places and I have to, uh, it's, it's been interesting because my geography is getting a little bit better looking up some of these, these areas of the, of the globe that I've never heard of. So I probably need to state that Columbia, Missouri is almost right in the middle of of the United States. So in the in Columbia, Missouri, there's a restaurant called CC City Broilers. And I love the steaks. And because of CC's, I've never been to a Texas Roadhouse. And we have one here in Columbia. So I read the book made from scratch. I like over my 20-year consulting career, I've worked with a number of uh, I think we call that 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 niche casual dining 
if I'm not mistaken. It's definitely not a QSR, but I call it, I don't know if it's called fast casual or casual dining, but I did not realize how, I did not realize how effective they were earlier in the year uh, during COVID. I mean, just during the, during the whole COVID, when, when COVID, when things started going through lockdown uh, in 2020 uh, last year, they just took the lead essentially in that industry space of curbside pickups. I think they were first. They they did not wow. lead, they did not lay off hardly anybody. By the way, they have a fund, an employee fund that's funded internally by the company that that employees could draw from. It's a really a fascinating story. And what's sad about this interesting what's sad about this book is, and I did reach out to the chairman of the board on LinkedIn of of Texas Roadhouse. Their their public relations people uh they, he he said I, I can't make any decisions I can't I can't make any commitments on a show without uh, our public relations which I think they're idiots because why don't you want your chairman to talk about a great book this is a great it's a great yeah. company uh, Kent Taylor the founder he I think it was this year he either I think he passed yeah the book came out this year and he passed away before the book came out so I think this book came out in let's say May. And then he passed away before. It's really sad. Uh, but Kent Taylor is the author. He's the guy who started. And again, it's it's a very typical rags to riches story. He spent a lot of time in the food business. And uh, you just think he kept failing. He kept failing. You talk about a guy who was resilient, Kent Taylor. Uh, what's interesting, he's, he's a former long-distance runner, 5K guy. And um, just a... Just a a gregarious, happy-go-lucky person. He had been neat as uh, someone to to have met, but uh, the the sad part is the ending. I I did not know that he. It's like I wish I'd have known this ahead of time. But made from scratch is it's it's a good book, and again, it's another type of book where I think financial leaders, even business leaders, you really get a feel for what it's like starting up a company. It's hard. And and I think it makes me appreciate people in leadership positions who care about other people. He was he I would say money was not his driver. It was just being good, being excellent, and finishing strong year after year after year. Uh they were pace setters in the industry. And so it's just amazing what kinds of innovation that came out of that man's head. So made to scratch from scratch, good book. It's probably one of those books you're not going to see a lot of a, a lot of uh, reviews on it, maybe a couple hundred. It, it's really sad that 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 book needs some PR, and and if I were a PR firm, I, I'd make that book. I, we'd we, we'd be getting some people on podcasts to to push that book. It's 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 good. I, I'm I'm just thinking of some of the other casual diners that should be reading that book. It's like this is how you run a restaurant organization. I'll have to check that one. I didn't know that book existed. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever read The Big Short by Michael Lewis? I did not read it, but I did see the- Did you see the movie? I saw the movie. Yeah, I'm one of those people (laughs) too. Here I am a reader, and I've read very little about the financial crisis. 
I've read several of Michael Lewis's books. I'm like you. I saw the movie. Uh, I like a number of the actors. Uh, the, the ensemble uh, for that movie was just incredible, but never read the book. I don't know why. I think I just told myself, Mark, you're going to read a book about the financial crisis. A little research, I thought, well, this, this book looks interesting. WAMU, Washington Mutual. I used to be a big James Cramer fan. And when I say used to, it doesn't mean I don't like him. I just don't watch him anymore. But when I was a young CFO, when I was driving home every night from work, I would turn on James Cramer and he had a radio show called Mad Money. And I don't know if that's what his TV show is still called or not, but I love listening to James Cramer. He just, I, I was just, who, who needs to listen to rock music when you get to listen to this guy? So he, he would mention one of his stock darlings was Washington Mutual. And I feel like an idiot. I, I, I admit I'm a hillbilly. I'm a sophisticated Missouri hillbilly, but I did not realize what caused Washington Mutual to go away. Well, it's because they were idiots. (laughs) It was bad culture, poor decision-making at the top. They were making these these loans that required zero documentation. The name of the game was loans. Get the loans out. We're talking real estate loans. They also got to where they were bundling these loans and selling them. They were making a lot of money. So the drive of making money was causing them to make very poor quality loans, and it brought them down. And Kristen... Grind, who is going to be on our show uh, sometime in 2022. She's already agreed to, to be interviewed. Uh, she's an author with the, or not, uh, excuse me, a writer for the Wall Street Journal. But that was a very, very fascinating read. So I got to read about the the financial crisis through the lens of Washington Mutual going down. And it gave me, it gave me a better understanding because the big short really didn't get they they weren't they were not inside a bank telling the story. Yeah. Right? We're here, you're inside the bank. So we we get the the origin story of Washington Mutual, which is great. And then we we get to see another great CEO taking over and then he resigns, retires, picks another person, and that person that he picked, he's the one that in my opinion opinion cause Washington Mutual to fail because, again, just the bad lending standards. That's interesting. So the, the name of the game was just get get the deals approved at any cost, doesn't matter. Exactly. So when I read book, sometimes I'll find the book so fascinating, like on Railroader. I mentioned Railroader. Uh, I ended up reading another book. Um, Hunter Harrison did not like consultants, so he did hire a firm to help with their company's culture. And the name of that book is called Switch Points by Judy Johnson, which by the way, Judy was on our show. Well, similar to Lost Bank, that led me to wanting to read another book where a CEO was mentioned that book. And so I read Last Man Standing by Duff McDonald. I don't want to say too much about Last Man uh, Standing uh, because... Duff McDonald is going to be on the show. And that's kind of, a, I'm really, really excited about him being on. So um, 
Well, I'll just, we'll just, that's a little bit of a tease, but uh, the, the author of Last Man Standing will be on sometime in 2022, probably near the end of the first quarter of 2022. So I have a couple more. I've done eight. Am I boring you or are you falling asleep? <laughs> not a chance. The, the next to last one, and these are not in any particular order, but I would say this one we mentioned back in the summer. This is going to go into my CFO Hall of Fame, be the wisdom of finance. I loved that book. It's ba- You will not find any math in that book. No formulae. No, no, nothing, no mention of Excel, uh, no financial modeling, but it's basically finance told through the story of great literature. And I listened to it and then I read it and I even did a quick reread of it after I read it. It's one of the best books I've ever read. And what ticks me off is I've had that book in my Kindle library for several years, and I finally got around to reading it this summer, and it is an incredible uh, book. Back in the summer, I had a meeting uh, scheduled with the author, and we we got our times mixed up. We had another scheduled. I'm still hoping that we can interview him in 2022. So we have been in contact. But but the 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 interview just never did come to fruition. But highly recommend the wisdom of finance. I think anyone, especially especially those in financial leadership, it's a book you want to have read. And I guarantee you, you'll probably end up reading it a second time, maybe a few years. Schaefer, the this last book on my list of ten. I've been wanting to read it for some time, but before I mention it, it's in the same industry. I would say it's adjacent to the industry that you work in. Now, remind us, what industry are you in? Yeah, so we're a um, we're in commercial truck and van rental. So essentially, we're a we're a, a fleet supplement to you know construction companies, e-commerce uh, companies, various different contractors that that have seasonal demand or, or a need for a short-term you know, fleet fleet provider. And your big supplier, the vendor you work with the most is? Yep. We, uh, we have a few manufacturers we work with, but definitely the biggest is going to be the Ford Motor Company. So is it going to be, is it going to be sacrilegious to mention General Motors <laughs> with this next book? I think, I think we'll let uh, it fly. This, this next book is, I want to tee it up a little bit. There are different kinds of CEOs that we come across. There, there are some who are the fire and brimstone type CEOs. There are some who are just the uh, let's do this, let's do that. Or they're very visionary. Uh, there are some who are just very methodical, uh, very administratively. They're, 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 they're the administrator. That's maybe the word I was looking for. Wouldn't it be great if we could read a great living case study about two such CEOs? Oh, wouldn't it be great if they came from the same organization? The name of the book is called Billy, Alfred, and General Motors. So Billy Durant, 
William, to you, Billy Durant was the founder of General Motors. And by the way, he was doing things in the automotive industry, in the young automotive industry, even before Ford, before Henry Ford was doing anything. Uh, I mean, um, Durant was one of the first people to start figuring out, oh, we need to go vertical in this industry. So this is before Henry Ford figured that out. So Durant was a visionary. He, oh, well, he was also a little loose with the pocketbook. <laughs> he did not like financial controls. <laughs> he did not. He's like, leave me alone. Just, just give me your $5 million. I'll go invest it. But he could take $5 million and turn it into $20 million pretty quickly. But he also hit some duds. He laid some goose eggs along the way, too. Uh, by the way, Raskob and the DuPont family, that's where I first heard about this Billy Durant, Alfred Sloan conflict. And because of that book, it made me want to see there's got to be a book out there. And that's when I found Billy Alfred and General Motors after rereading the book on uh, John Jacob Raskop, the first ever CFO uh, in the modern era. So Billy had to be forced out of GM and eventually was, and they brought in Alfred Sloan. He was already working in GM, but I love the book because as a longtime consultant, I work with a lot of different personalities, some interesting personalities. I think the, the biggest challenge for any consultant is figuring out how to work with every type of personality. Yeah. Uh, when you're an employee, you're basically working. You may be working for a, a butthead, if I can say, but at least you, 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 that butthead is predictable. You get used to them. You, you understand when to, you know, when to ignore them or how to work with them. But when you work with a lot of different personalities and now I'm lucky, I, I love the people I, they become friends. Uh, the people I work with, but is interesting as a consultant. Here's Billy, flamboyant, spends money, loves the deal. I think he loves the deal as much as he does the money aspect of it. Alfred is slow down. Let's get this right. Now, Alfred could grow. The, there was a lot of growth during the Sloan era. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't just a Let's get everything just, let's be like Peter Drucker, management by objectives, and and uh, everything's very orderly. He had that, but yet they were also growing. Again, I, I still think Sloan's one of the greatest CEOs ever, E-V-E-R, ever. But the comparison between Billy and Alfred is fascinating, and that's why I loved uh, this. Re it's a book that's going to stick with me for a very long time, two types of CEOs. And I think if you're a student of business, it helps to know. And I will finish this. Alfred needed Billy. No Billy, no Alfred. Billy needed Alfred. Now, Billy screwed up. He should have kept his money. He, he Billy just had to, he kept having to, he couldn't help himself. He'd get money, he'd spend it. He was just always after that next deal. Um, but Billy needed an Alfred type person. It's really too bad he did. He could not. He did not have 
the self-awareness to realize that, you know what, I need someone to maintain. My gift is finding deals. He, he could see an industry coming. If he worked for you right now, he'd be able to tell you three things. You need to be safer. You and your team need to be thinking about this five, 10 years out. And he's probably going to be right. That's the kind of guy he, he was. Just don't let him manage the cash. <laughs> uh, make sure he has a board of directors around him, although he figured out how to uh, get, get yeah, around that cir- circumvent controls. So that, that, that rounds out my, my top 10. I do have, I, I'm just going to go through my list real quickly. I do have a few honorable mentions. Is, is that okay, Schaefer? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm going to go through these really quick. If there's any, you may slow down with, uh, I will, but I think back in the summer, we did mention Aaron, Aaron Callen. Uh, she was, she, if yeah, speaking of the financial crisis, uh, she was the CFO for Lehman Brothers uh, when it went down. That's not the story. Her story was that, it's a great story. She, well, the subtitle tells it all, a memoir of leaning in too far on the journey back. Uh, she was a perfectionist type person, just one of these overachievers. And I think she got she got to the point to where it's like, I really don't have a family life. I'm working all these hours you know, just working to get ahead, get ahead, get ahead. It's all about work. It's all about work. I think of these NFL coaches where you get the idea that they don't ever see their their spouses. They never see their families. Uh, they, they get home and they think their kids are still 12 when they're really like 17. Uh, but that was the kind of professional she was. And her story is is just one of introspection that there's more to life than work. And in her case, making it to the CFO position. Great story. Guys need to read that book. This is not a book for women. It, in my opinion, if I were talking to Aaron right now, I'd tell her, Aaron, you need to market this book for men too, because we can take work. We can make it an idol in our lives. And, and then we, we suffer the consequences down the road. Uh, I reread the book by Blair Inns, Win Without Pitching. I'm a huge Blair Inns fan. Uh, the Two Bobs is one of my favorite podcasts. It's marketing, but it's a great show. Him and David C. Baker uh, do it. It's just them two going back and forth. It's about every show is about 30, 35 minutes. And I read his Win Without Pitching about once every year. It's just a fun, easy, quick read. Uh, Build Boldly by Bolanle williams Ali. We had her on the show. Uh, she was born in Nigeria, a single mother who is also a controller. Uh, she becomes a CFO for one of the top renowned international architectural firms in the United States. I am so proud of her. She goes by Bola. She is a wonderful human being. She's done more. She, she, she hasn't hit 40 yet. She's done more in her life that a lot of us will do in three lifetimes. She already has uh, more than one foundation uh, that helps schools in, in Africa. She is an incredible human being. I love her book, uh, Build uh, Boldly. Everybody Ought to Be Rich. Uh, I put that as an honorable mention. I read it again. I have a rule that when I inter- interview an author, even if I've read the book, I'll reread it because I, I, I want to do that out of respect 
So I have a really good interview arc that I give to every guest that they, they love it. And so I did reread it and man, it, it was just as good the second time around. Schaefer loved, loved that, that, that book. Uh, I'm a big Dan Sullivan fan. Who's the founder of the strategic coach. He has what's called pure genius. It's an audio series that you can get from uh, Nightingale Conant. And I listen to that about once a year. My kids all listen to Pure Genius when they were kids, teenagers. They still talk about it, but I listen to it once a year. Uh, Bryce Hoffman wrote the book American Icon. Great book. And his book that he wrote was Red Teaming. He said, Mark, I'll come on your show and talk about American Icon, but can we talk about red teaming? It's like, I didn't know you wrote another book, but red teaming is about all these middle models that, that he uses in a consulting practice. And it's, it's just, it's a fun read. Uh, the trick by William Leith is an interesting book. The trick, uh, by William, uh, Leith. Uh, the other book I want to give a shout out to Guy Spear has been on our show. We he, he gave me so much time. We broke up our show into two interviews. So the name of the book is called The Education of a Value Investor by Guy Spear. By the way, I just, I love that guy. Guy is an incredible human being. Uh, but the name of the book, The Education of a Value Investor, and I highly recommend it. I think it may have been the third time around that I'd read it. I've also listened to it. Uh, it's a great read, especially if you like value uh, investing. Uh, Arts uh, Principles by Art Gensler, the late Art Gensler. He is a he was the founder of of his own architectural firm. He has a, a little red book. Uh, it's about a couple hundred pages, but it reads quick. It's basically just things. Just his, his, some of his values, things he believed in that he carried over into his business. It was just a quick, uh, pithy read. I really, really enjoyed, uh, that book. Um, Mark Paul's book, the greatest gambling story ever told was almost like fiction. Uh, we had him on the title. show, by the way, winning colors is a female horse. I think only three females have ever rent, won the Kentucky Derby. So he, he and a friend bet on winning colors three months in advance of the Kentucky Derby. Oh, they didn't do it in the United States because they got better odds down in Mexico. Well, it turns out they did it where that, where they placed the bet was affiliated with the Mexican cartel. Oops. <laughs> Oops. They won. Oops. They got to get their money. They got to get out of the United States. Oh, they got to do it without getting killed. <laughs> so it's all true. And uh, th by the way, great, great guy. Mark is a fascinating human being. He, by the way, loved being on the show. The book by Charles Schwab, he's in his 80s. He's 81, 82 two years old as we speak. Uh, his book is called Invested. I didn't think it'd be that. I think it'd be boring. And it is a great if, if I think anyone in the startup world would value out of it, uh, two more books, uh, the Beatles and economics, uh, we had the author on, uh, we, uh, the podcast just a few weeks ago, that was an interesting read. It, in fact, that book led me to listening to another book 
And it's also, I have not had time to watch it, but I want to watch the Peter Jackson documentary on Disney+. Plus. That was a fascinating read. He looked at the Beatles through the eyes, not, really, not necessarily through an economics lens, but through an entrepreneurial lens. And it was a, I, I learned from it, and there are some things that have stuck with me. And I also want to give a big shout-out to Adam Mead. He wrote this big, thick book on Berkshire Hathaway. It has every investment he's made from day one. And you it's not a book you read. Well, there may be some acolytes, uh, uh, Buffett acolytes that have read it from beginning in, but I use it as a reference book. It's just fun to pick up and read one investment and, and kind of get the backstory to it. So Adam Mead's been on the show. It's one of our most downloaded uh, shows from 2021. I want to give Adam a shout out. That was a fascinating uh, book. So those are my honorable mentions from 2021. And I see you staring at my mind map. I have a couple of thought provokers. Uh, I've got, we're running out of time, but Matthew May, The Elegant Solution. Uh, You probably heard of the Disney Institute. Well, Toyota has a similar Institute, but I don't think it's designed for outsiders. Uh, Toyota is not necessarily big into classroom training. Uh, they believe the best training is go solve a problem, <laughs> go find a problem. In fact, one of their mantras is no problem means big problem. So Americans, we tend to say, no, no problem, no problem. Well, that's a problem, <laughs> uh, at least when this book was, was written. Matthew May, The Elegant Solution, love it. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Ron Baker. He's the co-host of the Soul of Enterprise. Uh, he's written some transformational books, at least for my mind. He wrote a book called Mind Over Matter, which is about intellectual property. Loved it. And then I read a short book by Tolstoy. It's called How Much Land Does a Man Need? Do you know how much land a man, we can also say a woman needs to. Do you know how much? I don't know how much. You you read the book. <laughs> it's a short, it's a little parable. It's a little parable and you'll have to, uh, and on my, mo, on my mind map that you are looking at, I have a book, really the most practical. So I work with a lot of high dopamine CEOs who's like, just give me a book that's practical that I can put to practice right now. So I would say the most practical read that I read was by a guy named Vern Harnish. I know you've not heard of Vern Harnish, right? Anyway, he so Mr. Scale-Up himself, he wrote Scaling Up Compensation, which is really, I was shocked. I wasn't, well, I'm the, that may be an insult, but it's like, dang, I've read some other books on compensation. And in fact, I just read one just recently and I tried to get the author on and it's like, I don't think his publisher or marketer said it's a good thing to be on a, on a podcast. Uh, but his book on compensation is probably, you don't need any other book on compensation. He, his book is complete. I kept thinking, I wonder if he's going to mention this topic or this topic. And the answer is yes. In my opinion, he knocked it out of the ballpark. And I think he got, I think he worked with some really good uh, compensation experts. I, 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 again, I would give that book six stars out of five because it, it exceeded 
my expectations. Yeah. Now I'll have to check that one out also. So I want to hear from you. What were some of your favorite books in 2021? A couple of them actually, uh, we've mentioned already. So I'll hit on those. One being, we've talked about it a couple of times. Everybody ought to be rich. Um, uh, kind of the life story of John Raskop there. What's really interesting. I'm definitely going to touch on the, uh, I can't remember the title. Okay. Billy Alfred and General Motors. So Alfred Sloan, Billy Durant, that is mentioned quite a bit in, uh, everybody ought to be rich just due to the, the fact that DuPont family, along with Rascot, both had pretty pretty sizable investments in, in General Motors. But what's super interesting, it's it's how how much that industry has evolved at that time. It almost felt like a like a tech startup. An auto manufacturer was the equivalent to this high risky uh, or high risk tech tech startup type of deal. And Billy Durant that kind of emphasizes too that you know the the image that you painted of him, the the wheeler and dealer, where he's you know how many how many car companies did he start? felt like it was close to a dozen. They were just rattling off these different, and a lot of them are, are names today, which is which is cool too. Exactly. That one, I, I really loved loved that book on Raskov and, and his relationship with the DuPont family and the role he played in the DuPont company. So that was one that we've talked about quite a bit already. How We Play the Game was another one, and I kind of mentioned earlier why I like that one so much, is it just felt like Ed Stack was was talking about some of these issues that he's that he's faced and that come up with, and a few of them. Like, oh my gosh, that's we're trying to figure that out right now. And uh, that was that was fun being able to read that. Plus, you know, Dick's Sporting Goods, obviously a, a household name, and uh, seeing what it what it came from was was interesting as well. You just you, these massive companies, you just kind of I don't know, especially you know, growing up since I've been around around the block, it's Dick's is this massive conglomerate. And it's cool to read about when it was, you know, honestly, not that long ago, two stores, you know, and being able to read the growth and see what happened there. So that was another. It is. It, it was as mom and pop as you could get. That's fun being able to see that. And, you know, again, make the, make the comparisons to, to City Rental Truck, at least, you know, maybe potentially in the early stages. So that was another one loved a lot. An interesting one that I read at the beginning of the year, uh, The Power Paradox. I've not heard of that. You ought to check that one out. That was that was pretty interesting. What's it about? There's uh, so they talk. I know you're not a huge fan of leadership books necessarily. <laughs> and this one, well, it's can 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 I interject? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like studying or reading about the leadership of other people. Uh-huh. I don't necessarily want someone to tell me. How, I'd rather read about it, or so that's why I like reading biographies, autobiographies, memoirs. That's how I like reading or studying leadership. Doris Kearns Goodwin. I mean, that's that's about as leadership of a book you can get. And so I just wanted to, but leadership per se books, yeah, I'm not, they're not necessarily my favorite, but <laughs> I think you're going to maybe help, help, help uh, expand my uh, mind a little bit. Yeah. Sir, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, this one is is very interesting. It doesn't it doesn't talk a ton about uh, necessarily specific specific leaders, uh, but it does talk a lot about the uh, kind of the idea of power, and it gets down to the nitty gritty of what it is, and it it associates with how you know kind of naturally we we associate the word power with kind of the Machiavellian principle of uh, you know just just a little bit harsher of a version of power and it tries to break down that wall and prove not, you know, not necessarily there's a lot of different, different versions of power, different ideas of what power is. And, you know, here they are different, 
social settings call for different forms of of power. There's these different imbalances and balances and, uh, you know, the common denominators between between leaders and then why there's this kind of social power that a lot of times is uh, is is gained even in a situation where everybody starts at a, in a level playing field. You just have kind of these natural leaders that assume a position of power that's given to them by their by their peers. It's a very interesting, interesting book. And it talks a lot about these different different social settings and, and kind of group case studies um, that, are, that are pretty cool. So I would I would check it out if, if there's you know any potential you're going to be working with a team or, or potentially leading a team as well. I will. So that's another one that I that I liked a lot. I reread and I still love it. Obstacle is the way by Ryan Holiday. That's kind of the that's a good book. City Rent a Truck Bible. Uh, we we reference that book all the time, and uh, I found myself you know forgetting a couple of the couple of the different things that happened in the book. So I reread it this year. That's one that really really enjoy reading. That it's, it's kind of one of those. Ones and, where and by the way, I like fiction. Speak, speaking of Ryan Holiday, he would be nodding his head. Some of the books that we mention are right up his alley. Yeah. So if you ever get his newsletter, I mean, he reads a lot of history, yeah. reads a lot of biographies, a lot of memoirs, a lot. I mean, so I would say there's a there's a very strong ride holiday bit uh, in this list. So it's interesting that you bring him up. So that's another one that I went ahead and put on the list. And the last one, uh, this one I think actually was my favorite this year, and I just read it not too long ago. You referenced it at the beginning of the podcast that you just got the just got the hard copy and I'm excited for you to read it. Which is signed. It's signed. <laughs> yeah. Not the brag. Signed. I have, a, I have a signed copy. <laughs> what's, and what's, what, and he, so who is Dave Cummings? Is, is he born and raised? Uh, does he live in Kansas City, Missouri? He does. He lives in Kansas City, Missouri, which is, you know, obviously cool for, cool for me, who's also born and raised in Kansas City. Uh, Make the trade is the title. Make the trade is the title. Uh, it, it, it's the story of, of, it's kind of his biography, autobiography that he's written himself. And what's, what's really interesting, what I, what I think makes it a, a really easy read. And he talks about it at the very beginning of the book is just the fact that he wanted it to be raw, uncut, uh, you know, and it's, it's, he's unapologetically transparent in this book and it's a breath of fresh air. There's no fluff in this book at all. And it makes the read go by very quickly. You can tell that the way he's written it is probably the way that his his brain is kind of programmed, where it's just one, you know one nugget after after another, and it's it's an easy read because of that. Maybe that's because my brain works like that a little bit as well, where it's you know I'm I'm kind of all over the place sometimes, and uh, being able to connect the dots and and move quickly is is the way that he wrote this book, and uh, it's very very interesting the the upbringing. Uh, of TradeBot, which is kind of the, the first company that started. That's a high frequency trading bot, robot, basically that he, he built the first program for, and it's been rebuilt two or three times uh, since then. But there's some crazy statistic where it's, I mean, they haven't had a red day in 15 years or something like that. And it's, it's very interesting. Uh, I think the average holding position is like 13 to 15 seconds or something outrageous like that. I mean, these are, these are quick quick trades that are made it's it's really really cool what he's what he's built there the subtitle is a kansas city entrepreneur takes on wall street yeah and it part another piece to i can't the wall street part of that is the bats exchange what, what's really that's that's one industry or one company 
that if you were to just say, Schaefer, what's one company? You would have no idea how, to, how you would, the barriers to entry are just too high. You can't, you can't go start this company. What, what would it be? One of the first things I would tell you would be an exchange. And he was frustrated with the duopoly between the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ. He said, yeah, I, I'm going to start my own. I want to keep these guys in check. And he did. And it's the BATS exchange. And it's referenced in the big short. We talked about the big short earlier. They talked about the BATS exchange. I mean, what a, what a cool story. And he talks about the ups and downs and how he you know, it almost failed a few times and, and what he did to, did to bring it through. And very, very cool book. Would, would definitely recommend it to anybody in business or finance field. I can't wait to read it. I'm holding it in my hand and I'm going to be headed to Little Rock. Uh, in a few days, and I'm going to try to start it this weekend and uh, try to get through it next week. So I'm anxious to learn about him. I, I really, I don't know the story and here he's in my, my home state. Well, this has been fun. I, I love getting to just talk to people about books. I actually prefer hearing other people talk about their books, but you wanted to hear about my list. And so uh, I, I hope this was enjoyable. I will say this, as I look at my list, a little disappointed. It's pretty much all business related, except for the Doris Kearns, a Goodwin book. Um, I would still call The Lost Bank a business read, but I do plan on 2022 reading more books outside of business. I do want to get back. I, I have several books. I want to read that are, again, really nothing related to business. I don't know, there's some literature I want to uh, read uh, that I put off. Again, the, the show, our podcast, does require me to read a lot of books in advance that are business-related. But hopefully in 2022, I can get some books that I really want to, um, that I got my eye on. Do you have any off the top of your head that you want to read in 2022? Well, after... This meeting, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate being a part of it because a lot of times your list, uh, books on your list find their way onto my list. So one, I mean, the very top of my list is going to be the Billy Alford and General Motors. So I'm really excited to, to read that one just because of the, you know, obviously the connection to the automotive industry. Uh, when I, the very little I know about Billy Durant is, I'm excited for that one. Schaefer, this is good. I, I really appreciate you. Th thank you for taking the lead here. Uh, thank you for driving on this and we'll be doing this again soon count me in always always fun to be on you are listening to cfo bookshelf lifelong learning for financial leaders and now back to our host mark gandy so here is that top 10 list again railroader by howard green five stars all the way. Many Unhappy Returns by Charles Rosati. The Secret Life of Groceries by Benjamin Lohr. It's How We Play the Game, Ed Stack. Leadership in Turbulent Times by Doris Kearns Goodwin. The late Kent Taylor and his book, Made from Scratch. Kristen Grind, The Lost Bank. Duff McDonald wrote Last Man Standing about Jamie Dimon, who I consider probably one of the top 10 CEOs ever. Billy, Alfred, and General Motors, 
by George Pelfrey. And then finally, I'm saving the best for last, the wisdom of finance. Remember, this is CFO Bookshelf, lifelong learning for financial and business leaders. Always be learning. And guys, let's have a great year. (music) 